Hi, friend. Thank you so much for downloading this podcast. And it is my sincere hope you'll hear something that will encourage, edify, equip, and then get you out into the marketplace of ideas. But before you listen, I'm going to tell you about this month's Truth Tool. My Truth Tool is offered to anyone who gives a financial gift to In the Market with Janet Parshall. And this month, I've chosen the book, Connecting the Dots, What God is Doing When Life Doesn't Make Sense. Ever been there? Of course you have. We all have been. Sometimes we think we're walking in circles, and we're wondering whether or not God has left us, we've walked away from Him, what in the world we're doing if we're even in the center of His will. So this book is designed to help you find peace and confidence in your current challenge. And all of us have challenges. It also will make sense of most of the lessons you're learning right now. And the most important part of this and why I felt this would be appropriate is because it will help clarify in your mind the unique mission and message that God has given to you. So the book is called Connecting the Dots. It's yours for a gift of any amount. And all you have to do is call 877-JANET-58. That's 877-JANET-58. And give a gift of any amount, and we'll send you a copy of Connecting the Dots. If you prefer to do it online, that's easy as well. In the market with JanetParshall.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. Click on through, make your gift, and again, we'll send you a copy of Connecting the Dots. Just below the picture of the book is a description of what it means to be a partial partner. Those are people who give every month a gift of their own choosing. They set the level of giving. I don't. But they'll always get the truth tool. And in addition to that, a weekly newsletter that goes out as well. So consider being a partial partner or getting a copy of Connecting the Dots by calling 877-JANET-58 or online at inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Now, please enjoy the program. Hi, friends. Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. It's Heart to Heart Friday, where Craig and I share some of the stories making headlines this week, and then we'll offer our insight and analysis. If you'd like to join in the conversation on what we're talking about, please call 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Now let's take a quick look back at some of the other topics we discussed this week. The one who put it all together assumes I will care enough about uh, understanding the battle plan that I will do a little bit of homework. And I don't know anybody that wins every battle, but I sure know a lot of people that win more than they lose. Mm. So if I'm a Christian saying I just continually lose, I would say, why don't you spend a little bit of time in figuring out how does the battle work and how should I respond? Uh, and And that may start with trying to figure out where are the hits coming from? I can win over any of them because Christ won over them. The universe had a definite beginning. The materialists have long said that the universe should be eternal and therefore self-existent and not require an external creator. The universe has been finely tuned to allow for the possibility of life against all odds. This is a tremendously puzzling discovery from a materialistic standpoint. And the universe has revealed, a red of life has revealed, that at the foundation of even the simplest living cells, we find complex uh, information processing systems run by by effectively digital code encoded in the molecule DNA and other molecules like it. These are not discoveries that would have been expected to have occurred as a result of blind, pitiless indifference. I think the whole farming thing is a it's a sign of our removal from biblical ideas of stewardship. I think only two percent of people in the U.S. are now involved in farming. Well, they're in, you know, they're incredibly valuable two percent of people, and I think farming is such an honourable profession, 
And I, I wish that the green religion would get back to being concerned about the environment and less mm -hmm. being concerned about wind farms and the destruction of the human race, which is what it is. They really, the trans stuff is about the destruction of the human race. I think gay marriage is, and I also think this whole green religion is about the destruction of the human race. I started drinking, you know, I'd been home raising the kids and like you said, they, they got old enough to, we could get babysitters and we started going to the bars and then with the drinking and kind of having other guys look at me and talking to other guys and, and, you know, trying to fill that void in a marriage that I don't feel like we're having a good marriage, we're not communicating about anything. And so I, I then that's when that happened, when some guy was showing me attention and we started a friendship and it became an emotional affair. That's how that started. And I know I was just looking to fill that void that was missing in my marriage. I was a big business guy and really proud and and was going to build my own kingdom here on earth. And I, I, could, I all of a sudden couldn't work anymore. And I didn't have a lot of worth in, my, in myself. And I actually even contemplated suicide. I actually started planning it. So uh, there was a lot of things that were so broken. And then when I finally went to Jake and said, hey, uh, I, the, the thing with my stepdad and dealing with that, that's not working. I'm still having anxiety. I'm, I'm not sleeping at night. And I'm take, I'm, now I'm, I'm literally drinking whiskey every night, reading the Bible, and I'm, I'm dying here. And he said I needed to tell Calf. It's Heart to Heart Friday. Here are some of the other stories making headlines this week. Auto giant Stellantis warned of a turbulent year ahead on Thursday. Nearly a million people had gathered to celebrate the Kansas City Chiefs at a coming home victory rally at Union Station. And then shots fired. Russia's prison service reported the death on Friday of opposition leader Alexei Navalny. It's Heart to Heart Friday on In the Market with Janet Parshall. Craig and I have lots to share and we'll put the first story on the table when we return. To join the conversation on the topics we're discussing, call 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. God's work in your life has prepared you with a unique message to share and a problem to solve. That truth is why I've chosen Connecting the Dots as this month's truth tool. God uses you to point to His goodness and to give you meaning and purpose. Ask for your copy of Connecting the Dots when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58, that's 877-JANET-58, or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Happy Friday to you, friends. This is In the Market with Janet Partial. Mr. Craig Partial is with me. He joins me on Fridays, and we take a look at some of the stories making headlines and then we take that straight stick of truth, which is what Dwight L. Moody called the Word of God, and measure some of the ideas out there. And I have to tell you that in these latter days, just as the Word told us, there's a lot of crazy bad ideas out there. There are heretical ideas, there are ideas that are apostate, and there are ideas that make us stop and say, does the Bible really say that? And of course, that starts with the presupposition that you believe in the inerrant, transcendent, immutable Word of God. The Bible, let me state again clearly, for those of you who don't remember this, the Bible doesn't contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. So that's our metric. That's our straight stick of truth. So uh, you don't have to go very far these days to find some audio where people are making declarations about their spiritual journey 
and some of the conclusions that they arrive at. And it's worth us being good Bereans to test these things and see if what is being espoused matches up with Christian orthodoxy. And by that, I simply mean the cornerstones of what the Bible teaches us. This is why we say over and over again on this broadcast, it isn't just a matter of believing. You have to know what you believe and why you believe it. How can you give a reason for the hope that resides within you if you cannot say, I know why I believe this? Yes, I believe it, but let me tell you why I believe it. And that requires us doing a little homework, doesn't it? And this isn't about being an academician or a scholar. It's a matter of getting immersed in the Word, letting the Holy Spirit be your teacher, and sifting and weighing and testing and vetting so that it is written on the tablets of your heart and you have no problem whatsoever contending for the faith. So I'm going to start with a bit of audio here because this is going to cause some interesting thought, I think. This individual that you're about to hear is a fellow by the name of Michael Chernovich. He is a social media personality. He's a political commentator, and he showed up on a podcast recently, and he was talking about um, his experiences on how he began to believe in God. And I want you to, I'm not going to make any other comment. I just want you to listen so then we can then unpack this and start using that ruler of God's word. Have a listen. Is there a conservative case for psychedelics? Well, the religious one I'll punt on because I know with the, the orthodoxy and the theology, not even the theology, but it would be more like what they say because I have a different perspective. So I would say before ayahuasca, I didn't believe in God uh, at all. You can't see God, um, total hedonist, didn't believe in anything, um, you know, didn't believe in like committing crimes or whatever, but I didn't particularly think through my actions or the consequences of it or how people might perceive it. I figured out ah, if you got hurt and you know, like emotionally, right, if like your feelings got hurt, then like, how's that my problem? You know, you're an adult, your feelings got hurt. So I would, you know, I can call you whatever names on Twitter or make no empathy, really. Yeah. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, I'm sure God is real. <laughs> like 100 percent God. What was it about the experience that made you so sure that God was real? I mean, meeting, you know, meeting God. What? Meeting, is, wait a minute. You feel like you met God while you were on ayahuasca. Explain oh, yeah. 100 um, percent. Both in a feeling and then a visual. Do you see a face? Yeah. It was like a like father time or something. It would be like. It would be like what you would imagine a wise old man to be, probably in whatever tradition or culture you grew up in, that would it be. But it was just like a wise old man was just sitting there, you know, or kind of less sitting and more like suspended in animation and was just like looking at all these stars and was saying, this isn't how it's supposed to be. Would you consider ayahuasca to be a new age thing? That's the, you know, because I read a lot of Orthodox Christian readings and I, you know, listen to a lot of church stuff. And they would talk about like ecumenicalism and, um, you know, the idea that you can blend all religions together and why that's heresy. And that, you know, any of these substances are, I think the Catholic Church calls it like pharmakeia or something. It's like P H A R M A K I A. And they talk about why they think that's a sin and they think it's like new agey. Yeah, I don't know what New Age is. A lot of New Age is just borrowing stuff from Eastern spiritual traditions that have existed, you know, that billions of people have practiced for, you know, any number of years. Okay, just a few things done back there. <laughs> Let me start for, with ayahuasca. It is a South American psychoactive brew. It is traditionally used by indigenous cultures and folk healers in Amazon basins for spiritual ceremonies 
and divination. Okay, it's also what got Aaron Rodgers in trouble, but I digress. So if you go back to this, this individual found God after taking ayahuasca. Now, immediately when you begin to understand that it's used for divination, Book of Deuteronomy should come to your mind immediately. Have nothing to do with it. This is a demonic practice used in pagan rituals. But some Western individuals have found this as a way of helping them find themselves um, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and I'm, I'm sorry to have to call him out on this, but now he plays for another team, so I feel the liberty to be able to do that. But he actually went on an <laughs> ayahuasca retreat and went into a windowless, lightless room for three days while he's taking this brew so he could get clarity on whether or not he would leave the Packers, proving once and for all he had some rotten stuff that he was chewing. But I digress. So the point is he was going to get clarity on where he should take his life as a result of taking a psychedelic brew. Um, But this individual says that he now really believes in God. And what he intimated, although he didn't use the word is, um, she said, is this a new age thing? And he basically backtracked a little bit and said, and he didn't use the word, but he was espousing and supported the idea of synchronism. Well, doesn't new age bother uh, borrow from Eastern mysticism? And, you know, and what he almost wanted to say, but he didn't. And you got the feeling in that remark was kind of all paths lead to God. So I found God, but all paths lead there. Well, therein lies the problem of chewing this leaf and drinking this brew and thinking somehow you're going to find God. But I bet, Craig, there are people listening who could say, you know, whatever it takes, as long as you can find God, if you take this psychoactive brew and when you're all said and done, there's God. By the way, according to this individual, looking like Father Time, because, of course, the scriptures tell us that God Mm -hmm. looks like Father Time. Your reaction? Well, I, I, I said this all the time, but I've been around for a while and in life and in walk with the Lord and I've learned a few things, not a lot of things, but a few things. And here's what I, here's what I've absolutely learned. And that is start with the first principle of the issue about God. And what the first principle is, is in the beginning, God, uh, God has laid out who he is, how we get to know him and how we experience him and his characteristics and how, and what to avoid in his word. That's the first step. If you look at his word, the word vain imagination, by the way, mm-hmm. was used several times. Second Corinthians chapter 10, casting down imaginations that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, our imagination, our experiences are part of the flesh. Paul being, I guess, you know, you could, you could consider him the super apostle. He said he's not. He's simply an apostle and a messenger of Christ. But even he said he had to war between the flesh's um, direction in his life and the Holy Spirit's power in his life. And he had to be able to suppress the natural inclinations of the flesh toward selfishness, aggrandizement, a pride, and respond to the power of the Holy Spirit as a believer in Christ. That same war between the flesh and the spirit is with all of us. Those who say, I know God based on an experience with drugs are falling into the category of vain imaginations. If you want to know God, you read his word and he will show you how you can experience him. But there is nothing between the covers 
of your Bible from Genesis to Revelation that indicates an experience, a, a man created, a mankind chemically induced experience is ever going to present God to you or help you understand him. Well, I guess it's the test of reliability. So I would imagine that someone who takes this psychoactive brew, the experience is going to be individual. Whatever neurons are popped open, whatever images are called up are going to be predicated on your life experience <clears throat> some of the memories that you've got in your brain. I mean, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Who knows? The brain, even neurologists will tell you we don't know right. everything about right. the brain. But I would imagine it's a very individualized experience. That's my first problem because God is universal. So the individuality of this experience gives me pause. Number two, why would I have to chew a psychedelic drug, a leaf that grows in the Amazon basin, when God has revealed who he is through his inspired Why word? would you trust a chemical natural, organic, or otherwise, that you'd put in your body to reveal who God is. Look, the Bible is the best commentary on what the Bible wants you to know. Go to the Gospel of Luke, first chapter. Luke says, look, here's why I'm collating all of this information about who Jesus was from the eyewitnesses, the eyewitnesses who experienced him. He said, because this will give you a complete, the word was perfect, but what it means is a more complete understanding of God and Christ. If you want to know God in Christ, you start with the understanding that Scripture will give you. It's the reason that God put it in written form so that we could read it and then decide to understand it by accepting who Jesus was according to the Scripture. So you talked about the Word of God. Clearly, obviously, that's the foundation. So when we come back, I want to talk about Progressive Christianity's view about the Word of God. This is In the Market with Janet Parshall. Craig Parshall's with me back after this. This is In the Market with Janet Parshall, and we're taking a look at um, some of the ideas that are being bought and sold in the marketplace of ideas. And I expect the world to act like the world without Jesus, but I think we should have a sense of awareness that we have some really interesting ideas that are working their way into, quote, the church. And we examine. That's what a good Berean does. Listen, if the Bereans even examined what Paul had to say, and I'd say Paul was pretty trustworthy, then I think that gives us permission to examine when churches espouse ideas that they may or may not be aware, my guess is they are aware, but they've made the choice regardless, are not in alignment with the Word of God. For example, one progressive church, and by the way, I take umbrage with the word progressive Christianity. It's a ruse. Um, I challenge you to read The Deconstruction of Christianity, Elisa Childers' brand new book that really and truly talks about this deconstruction and what it is is a wanton abandonment of the Word of God. That, that's it in a nutshell. So you can use all the fancy words you want. Progressive sounds oh so good. It means you're not stepping backwards into the dark ages. You're making changes and you're moving forward. And forward thinking is always a good thing, right? Well, one of these progressive churches says we are reimagining Christianity through a progressive lens to cultivate human flourishing. I don't think we need to reimagine Christianity. I think we need to practice Christianity as laid out before us through the Word of God. But therein lies the challenge. So one of these progressive churches put out a graphic on a social platform a while back, and they put the graphic out that says, and I want you to picture this in your mind, on the one side it says the Bible isn't, and then on the other side, the Bible is. 
So this is exactly what they say, Craig, and you can break this down and you can determine where they've fallen off the rails, where they're spot on, or if this is just a reconstruction as they're going through their deconstruction of the word of God. So they say the Bible isn't first thing on the chart. The Bible isn't the word of God. Oh, really? The Bible isn't self-interpreting. The Bible isn't a science book. The Bible isn't an answer slash rule book. The Bible isn't inerrant or infallible. Now, this is, again, a, quote, progressive church putting out a graphic on a social platform, making those declarations about the word of God. Here's what they say the Bible is. A product of community, a library of texts, multivocal, a human response to God, living and dynamic. Counselor, I'm going to start with you first. Break that down. Heresy, for the last 2,000 years, uh, heresy always begins with questioning the Word of God. It happened in the garden, by the way. Has God said? The tactic is the same. I, look, I'm, I am willing to believe, I'm willing to presume that these are well-intentioned but very, very confused people who are saying this, that they are not deliberately distorting but the effect of distortion of the word of God is, is real. And whether you attend it or not, it, the, the effect is so dangerous that the Bible itself and the apostles who walked, talked, were uh, uh, disciples of Christ. Paul was a, latter, was a, a later disciple, but uh, you know he was qualified to be uh, uh, described as an apostle because he, he had, was an eyewitness to the risen Christ. That was one of the measurements of apostleship. Peter defended Paul uh, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. He said, there are those who seek to distort the letters of Paul, because Paul was laying out a systematic theological explanation of faith by God's grace through, uh, excuse me, salvation by faith, which is the instrument, but because of God's grace because of the act of Jesus Christ as Son of God, dying on the cross, shedding his blood, when we trust in him, then our faith is the instrument of, of salvation, but it's not the cause of it. The cause is God's gracious giving up of his Son on the cross to shed his blood as the only redemptive force that can erase uh, our sinful state in the eyes of God. That's what Scripture teaches. So, if, if you don't want to adhere to what Scripture has to say, and it clearly the, these progressives have abandoned any idea of Scripture being anything except perhaps some, uh, a container of a few good ideas, human ideas, the Word of God says in itself, and is, you know, in the law there are self-authenticating documents and those that need to be authenticated by a witness. The, the documents with a seal, certain kinds of sealed documents are self-authenticated. If I introduce it to the judge, he says, I'll admit it into evidence. If it's not, it doesn't bear a, an official seal from the government agency, as an example, then he's going to say, put a witness up there who can verify that it's real. The Bible is self-authenticating. It declares itself to be inspired. Peter, in second uh, his second epistle, says the letters of Paul our scripture. And there are those out there trying to distort it. So the idea of distortion is 2000 years old. Yeah. It started in the first century church. It is continuing today. I'm not impugning the motives of those who are so confused, 
But I will say this, that Peter calls as unstable and untaught those who end up distorting what God has said clearly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, When we come back, there's so many points in this. I really want to underscore this. And the reason why this is an important conversation, and I appreciate your your empathetic position that you're not questioning the motives, but we're going to definitely look at the ideas. And the ideas being posited by some in the, quote, progressive Christian community is a wanton abandonment of the Word of God. And like you said, it's self-authenticating. And what the Bible tells us about the Word in and of itself is being wantonly ignored here. So I want to go back and look at some of these ideas just using as a launching pad this graphic that was put on social media, a declaration by a, quote, progressive church on what the Bible isn't and what the Bible is. This is an idea worth examining, and that's what good Bereans do. Back after this. Ministry is never a solo effort. You know my voice because I'm on the radio every day. Look a little further and you'd see right into the homes of listeners just like you. Partial partners who give a monthly gift and make this ministry available. Become a member of the team today by becoming a partial partner. Call 877-JANET-58 or go online to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. So when you are reimagining Christianity, you come up with some really interesting and very often twisted ideas. Christianity doesn't need to be reimagined. It needs to be read about and practiced. And that's the challenge. A lot of people don't want to adhere within the parameters of the Word of God. And that also starts with the presupposition that you do believe that the Word of God is that, that the Bible is the Word of God. It doesn't just contain the Word of God. But progressive Christianity, and I'm not even going to identify the church that put this out on social platform because it isn't about that church. They're just emblematic of a movement out there of walking away from the inerrancy of Scripture. We should have anticipated this, by the way. This is what's splintering the so-called, and I choke on this word because it's a pawn of the legacy media, but the so-called mainstream, I don't think Christianity gets any more mainstream uh, than uh, biblical Christianity, but mainstream means the denominations that have been around for a long period of time. And so the media came up with this crafted word, mainstream denominations. Well, mainstream denominations are splintering left and right because of the Word of God. It's like going through a second kind of Reformation. So the split in the Methodist Church, the split in the Lutheran Church, the split in the Episcopal Church, every one of these splits, if you go to the core, it's because they've now abandoned Some part of the leadership has abandoned the belief that the Bible is the Word of God and therefore is inarguably applicable for all people in all times and in all places. If you walk away from that idea, you introduce nefarious, deadly, and unbiblical ideas that end up landing at home base for heresy, simply stated. So I'm going back to this particular graphic that was put out on a social media platform by a progressive church that says the Bible isn't and what the Bible is. The Bible isn't, they make the direct declaration, and I'm going to repeat this again for those who just joined us. The Bible isn't the Word of God, they say, isn't self-interpreting, isn't a science book, isn't an answer-slash-rule book, isn't inerrant or infallible. The Bible is, according to the progressive church, a product of community, a library of texts, multivocal, a human response to God, living and dynamic. 
Now, Craig, I want to pick up on some of the other points here, but let me just start with Jesus. What does Jesus say about the Word of God? I think that's a really good place to start, good source, especially if you're reimagining Christianity, which ultimately means you're reimagining Jesus. I'll take Jesus as he said he was. So he calls the Old Testament the commandment of God. He refers to the scriptures as the Word of God in Mark 7, 13. He chastises the Sadducees for their partial disbelief of the scriptures, quoting Genesis while chiding them, saying, have you not read what was said to you by God? So it's pretty In clear. In his words. So, so okay, it's now let clear. me stop. Let Please. me stop right there, because that that's an extremely important point. A couple of minutes ago before the break, I said, you know, when you're in court and you have a, a document, and the Bible is a, a document. It's, it's, a, it's the most important document uh, that man has ever been able to read. But if you're in a courtroom and I introduce the Bible and I wanted to say, well, Your Honor, I don't need eyewitnesses to this, the accuracy of the Bible, because it's self-authenticating. You know, if the document, if a king had put a seal, if King Charles over in England puts a seal on a document, uh, then it is self-authenticating in terms of an English court. So the Bible is self-authenticating because it says, it calls itself uh, inspired. But also I said, the second way you can do this is you can have eyewitnesses and the eyewitnesses to the inspired word of God and the contents of the word of God uh, is repeatedly uh, recited in the New Testament. Luke chapter one, I'm I'm writing based on eyewitnesses, he said. First Peter 5, 1, uh, he, he said that we have experienced all this as eyewitnesses, Hebrews chapter two. But let me just, these, these are my favorites. Second Peter first, uh, chapter 1, we do not follow cleverly devised myths. In other words, things that are the human imagination. When we made known to you the power and coming of Lord Jesus Christ, we were eyewitnesses, he said, to this in terms of the life of Christ. First John chapter 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, uh, uh, ear witnesses, which we have seen with our eyes, eyewitnesses, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, all concerning the word of life contained in Jesus and what he did, what he said, and what he accomplished. So the Bible is also authenticated by the fact that eyewitnesses claiming to be eyewitnesses, the the historicity of the Bible of the New Testament and the Gospels and the letters of Paul and Peter, as an example, and John have been verified. If you spend any time looking at the, 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 scribal effort to make sure that these documents were properly translated from generation to generation to generation to the Bible that you now have and could buy in a Bible bookstore. Uh, it's the authentication and the accuracy of this, these documents in the Bible being authenticated is perhaps a uh, hundred times better than anything we have about the, the existence of the Roman Empire or who the Caesars were. So let's examine another point. The progressives posit that the Bible is a, quote, human response to God. Now, I will agree that the Bible contains stories of how humans responded to God in a myriad of situations. But if you're saying that the text itself is merely mankind somehow reaching out to God vis-a-vis a library of texts, another declaration they make as right. what the Bible is, then I would take umbrage. You're, you fail to identify the workings of the Holy Spirit in being, if you will, the dictator. The human personality was merely the scribe. Talk to me about that. Second Timothy, Paul says, all scripture is inspired by God. It is God breathed. Now, it's either God breathed or it's human effort. Now, 
the apostles who walked and talked and were taught by Christ and then received the Holy Spirit upon his uh, ascension so they could continue to carry the accurate message that he left to make sure that it was left in the hands of trusted disciples and trusted uh, uh, followers of Christ so that when the apostles, as they got older and they were executed and they went to their reward with the Lord, they passed this information down to their followers and the so-called church uh, fathers which was the next generation who carefully maintained the accuracy of all of these sayings that are in the New Testament and the the, uh, the Gospels and the letters of Paul and Peter and John and so forth. So if you spend any time uh, looking at how the pieces are put together and the dots are connected, it is the only so-called religion that has the historicity and authenticity of the original founder, who is Christ, the Word of God. So if the progressive church makes the declaration that they are, quote, reimagining Christianity, they are creating a gospel and a savior and the word of God of their own construction. By their own vain imagination, and I'm quoting from scripture, vain imagination rather than the word of God. So the doctrine of biblical inerrancy, they say, the progressives in this graphic, that the Bible is neither infallible nor inerrant. They say instead it's living and dynamic. We'll unpack that in a minute, but let's talk about why the question of inerrancy is important. It's important because the truth matters. And again, when all else fails, read the instructions. So going to the Word of God, and that's your problem. You're going outside the Word of God for your experience of reimagining. You're not living within the parameters of the Word of God that reveal truth. The Bible itself claims to be perfect. Psalm 1, Psalms 12, 6 and the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of day, purified seven times. Psalm 19, 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. Proverbs 35, every word of God is pure. So this is what the word is saying about itself. That's pretty inerrant. You can't be pure <laughs> if you've got some problems in there, right? So if the yeah. word of God is telling you it is flawless and it is inerrant, you either take what the book says or you reimagine your own kind of re yeah, religion. And, and the fact that God takes this issue very seriously and wants us to know that he takes it seriously, he puts in his word in the very last book of the, uh, the New Testament, the book of Revelation, in the very last chapter, right toward the end of that very last chapter of the book of Revelation. He, uh, we are warned by God through John, his uh, 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 message carrier, that there are dire consequences for those who distort or try to change, either take away or add to what God has said about future things and his plan for it in that book. Hmm. So he takes it seriously. Why don't we? Yeah. Uh, Romans, very thick book, theologically, very important What book. You and I are going through it. The Lord says, but who are you, O oh man, to talk back to God? When you're reimagining, deconstructing, progressing, whatever word du jour you want to do, the core of all that babble is the bottom line that you don't believe that the Bible is God-breathed and is the Word of God. And more importantly, it really, if you wanted to unpack it even more, I would venture to say that you have a problem with applying its principles, precepts, and truths to your life. Therefore, it is incumbent upon you in your discomfort to reimagine a new form of Christianity. There's a, there really only two roots. Very, it's a very simple approach to how to know God. There's only two methods by which 
humans can try to connect with God and find out uh, a, a knowledge base about who he is and what his characteristics are. Number one, human speculation. That includes science, that includes philosophy, that includes metaphysics. Man's attempt, the human being's attempt to imagine what God must be like or not, or whether he exists or not, speculation. The other is revelation. Either our attempt to describe him and understand him with our failed, frail understanding, which always fails, or God's revelation to us, which is perfect and reliable. All right. Well, we could go on and on on that one, but I hope we've given you something to think about. Again, I challenge us in these latter days when the Bible warns us that we're going to see an ascendancy of apostasy and heresy, that we do become Bereans. I tell you, my socks got knocked off when I realized in the book of Acts that the Bereans were not checking what the Sadducees and the Pharisees were saying. That's, of course, where I thought for years they were sifting and weighing. They were looking at Brother Paul. They wanted to make sure everything that that man taught was spot on. If they can do it for Paul, I think we have permission to do it. Back after this. So as Craig and I pull our material together for our conversations on Friday, we really do have a burden for some of these very dangerous ideas that are starting to manifest themselves. I'm not afraid. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and of a sound mind. But I'm really feeling in these latter days when our Savior himself warned us that this was going to be a hallmark of the times in which we find ourselves. If there were ever a mandate to be grounded in the word of God, it is now. I love that verse in Colossians that reminds us this is a war. How can you be taken captive if there isn't a war? You're a prisoner of war, a prisoner of bad ideas. And it tells us in Colossians to be careful that we're not taken captive by vain and hollow philosophies. We've just been discussing some of those predicated on this world rather than on the word of God. That tension between the word and the world, it's as old as the book itself. So take heart. There's nothing new under the sun. But this is going to require you and me not being passive, sloppy, milk-drinking Christians. We're going to have to be muscular, maturing, meat-eating Christians. And that's going to be required of us now more than ever before. So let me give you another little bit of piece of audio. Um, So this female cleric, all dressed up in all kinds of her colorful robes, gets up. And she's all excited because there's new stickers, hologram stickers, that the church is making available to the kids at church. Have a listen. Well, they arrived this week, and we could not be more excited. Holographic, trans-supportive, super cool stickers that acknowledge the trans community, especially trans youth, who need the backing of their faith communities more than ever right now. Because as you know, there is too much anti-trans legislation being passed throughout the United States. So here they are. God, the original they, them. I immediately put one on my computer, and Deaconess Claire has one on her water bottle. So you might be saying, Pastor Michelle, why are you getting so excited about a sticker identifying God as they, them? Well, let me tell you. I have a couple of reasons. First, because God is neither a man nor a woman. A few years ago, on a confirmation retreat with the Holy Trinity 7th and 8th graders, Vicar Noah, remember Vicar Noah? He and I were discussing with the kids the gender of God. 
And I don't remember how it came up or why it was even an issue, but I do remember that it was a very lively discussion. Right, Annika? Yeah. In the end, the group was excited to use non-binary pronouns for God. They and them seemed appropriate for our prayers, our songs, and our discussions. The youth, now they thought that they were being really edgy and radical, perhaps even a little bit funny, as they shouted, they, whenever the song was supposed to use he to refer to God. We may have even annoyed the camp counselors and the other pastors with our radical ideas. I bought them because of the Pride Month and because I want to encourage others to stop using gendered pronouns for God. But what I realized is that these stickers are also perfect for the Feast of the Holy Trinity. Okay, so let's unpack this. And again, this is progressive Christianity, and it's also an abandonment of the Word of God. First of all, Craig, God is neither male nor female. He is spirit. But then if you go to the word of God, now this is what happens when you step away from the word of God. Oh, she's so happy that the teens are shouting they whenever it says he. And they have holographic stickers. Pretty magic dancing stickers to underscore that point. All kinds of recruitment materials. I get it. But the bottom line is when Jesus himself refers to his father, male, and he as male, again, pronoun. And that he created them male and female. Right. as, As Jesus God's son, part of the Holy Trinity, talks about God's creative decision to choose two genders, two sexes, man, woman. That's it. Right. But they're all hung up on God's gender. It's a flawed question right out of the gate. God doesn't have gender. But God, when he chose to leave the throne room of heaven and walk this dusty, fallen planet, he came as a man— Okay, distinctively recognizable as a man. There was no ambiguity whatsoever. And when the man, God, Jesus, refers to his father, saying, I and my father are one, right. he refers to him with the male pronoun. I, I don't, you don't have to have a PhD in, you know, uh, hermeneutics to be able to figure out that, uh, obviously, that pronoun was used specifically. So your thoughts on this, because what she wants to do is advance a political agenda. By the way, don't miss, you know, there's all kinds of anti-trans legislation being proposed. Oh, note to file, not a theological issue. That'd be a political issue. And really the core of all those declarations and those stickers are political at their core. But she abandoned the infallibility and the authenticity of the word of God. Janet, this is not a mind-brain issue. It ultimately is a heart issue. Um, and if you seek the Lord with all your heart, you will find him because he will find you. Ultimately, it begins in the heart. And, and I, I believe that you have to use reason, the reason capacity that God has given you to sift and weigh these things. And that same process is, is used when we read and try to understand what the word of God has to say and how it applies. But, uh, if you start with the the, the presupposition that the God, uh, that the Bible is not what God has mm-hmm. to say, mm-hmm. then you've created a vacuum, and what you're going to fill it with is your vain imaginations and your speculations about what your agenda is. This is a political agenda using the Word of God to create a vacuum. Let's take the Bible out of its sacred role. And what's left? Well, what the culture is going to tell you. 
what the politics are going to tell you, what the agenda of, of social movements like the trans movement is going to tell you. They want to fill the vacuum with those things rather than what the Word of God clearly has to say. Right. So again, if somebody's just now starting to think seriously about this, uh, and we've used the phrase to be a good Berean and to test all things, I've got about 30 seconds. Give me some pragmatics. How does one go about testing? (laughs) Well, I would suggest rather than start with what the headlines of the day are and what the world is saying to you, start and immerse yourself in what God has said, and then use that as the measurement, as the metric, as the barometer for what the world is telling you. If what the world is telling you doesn't match up with what the Word of God has to say, then you choose the Word of God and you reject the values of the world. So there you go, our marching orders. Really, the same marching orders have been given to us for thousands of years. God's called us for such a time as this. I wouldn't want to be alive at any other time. This is forcing us to have to grow up and press into Him like never before. Thank you so much for spending the hour with us. We're listener-supported radio. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your ongoing financial support. And if you want to give, 877-JANET-58. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next time.